Okay, I'm just going to start off with a question. If you were asked why you follow Jesus, what would you say? What do you believe? Who do you believe in? Think about it for a moment. And park that question back in your mind. I'm going to read the text that I have for today. It's Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26. And it reads, And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul in the process? Is anything worth more than your soul? Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is truth. I thank you that your word is powerful, that your word transforms. I thank you, O God, that, Lord, you want to speak to us through your word. And, Lord, I ask that, O God, that the word would be in us and we would be in your word today. Holy Spirit, please speak to each one of us today, O God. Touch every heart present here because you care about everyone here, O God. Have your way and accomplish what you want to accomplish in every heart this morning, I ask. In the powerful and mighty name of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. Amen. Matthew was a follower of Jesus. He was a tax collector by profession. And when Jesus invited him to follow him, he left his job and he followed Jesus. And he was with Jesus all throughout Jesus' ministry until his death and resurrection. And the gospel of Matthew focuses on the reason Jesus came to earth. He came to earth to announce a kingdom that exists beyond earthly governments. A kingdom where citizens never die. Now John the Baptist prepares the way for this kingdom. And we read in Matthew chapter 3 and verse, verse 2. He declares, turn from your sins and turn to God. Because the kingdom of heaven is near. When Jesus began his ministry, he started with these very same words. For the last three months or so, I have been just um, reading the book of Matthew again and again, in a chapter a day, meditating on it and looking at it. And, uh, you know, every time, though I have read this book so many times in my life, but there's always something that God speaks to you about. There's something that applies to my life, to my situation. And it has been just a wonderful time. And so as I, uh, I have been looking at it, and I remember Jesus' words of your soul is far more important than anything that you would ever imagine. And he speaks of the kingdom of heaven. And you know, uh, the chapters of 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, so rich, so rich in his teachings. And mainly I concentrated on the teachings of Jesus. And he talks extensively extensively about the kingdom and so many illustrations of, about what the kingdom of God is. Today I want to share with you about our soul eternal. Now this month was missions month and you know last week I had the opportunity of just sharing a little bit about 
we know what our church is involved as in missions. And what is missions about? Missions is sharing the good news, sharing the gospel, and winning souls to the kingdom of God. And, you know, already Sam has just touched on a little bit of it. So as Christians, there's so many ways that God has allowed us to touch people and bring souls into the kingdom of God. And so we remind ourselves again, what profits a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Now just imagine that you were in the Australian bush and you were wandering around. You, had no, you have no food, you have no water, you have no compass, you have no mobile phone, no, no, no other device, no communication that you have. And you are lost and you're wandering around. And then suddenly, you heard your name being called. Will you be happy just staying where you are? Or would you run to the voice that calls out your name? And I'm sure everyone of us would want to run to whoever is calling your name and say, help me, here I am. And God is calling lost souls to him. Just as he called out Adam and Eve, he sends out his rescue call to us. Because the world is full of lost and wandering souls. What preparation have we made for our own soul? When God created Adam and Eve, and especially Adam first, it was a house without a resident. Until God breathed life into him, and Adam became a living soul. We read that in the book of Genesis. Our soul, we cannot touch it. We cannot see it physically. But it is the real you, and it's the real me. It's our spirit, the inner man, our soul. The Bible references the heart and the soul as the very essence of man. Think of the time we spend pampering our bodies. We do quite a, quite a lot of that. You know, you only have to look at all the advertisements that cater to that and invite us to do this is good for you, then that is good for you, you look so much younger, do this, do that, all the other things. Then think of the time we neglect our soul. Do we give it that much attention? Parents. Ask yourselves, do you care more about the clothes that your children wear or do you care about your child even more? So, the body is the covering of the soul. Sorry, the body is the covering. The soul is the real person. The Bible also teaches us that whether we are saved or lost, there is a consciousness in us. There is a conscience in us and an everlasting existence of the soul. If you stop and ask yourself, who am I? Why am I here? Listen with your ears and your heart. You will hear God speak to you. If you ignore him, you're gambling with your eternal future. Jesus has his hands stretched out for the lost to come to him. And when we start on that journey of repentance, 
He does not cast anyone off. And he does not forsake anybody. He is there to meet us where we are and to welcome us home. The Bible tells us that the day is coming when every soul will give account before the throne of God. We are his creation. More valuable to him than anything else. Our bodies are flesh and bone. They will die eventually. But we are also spirit. That includes our conscience as well as the part of us that thinks and it feels. So how do I take care of, of my soul? And how do you? Your inner man. By feeding on the word of God and letting his spirit transform you from the inside. Because God is a God who works from the inside out. It's not from the outside in. He wants to work within our hearts. He wants to teach us. He wants to show us the things that are not right for our own good. And he's, he, he wants to work, work with us. And that work goes on continuously. It doesn't start somewhere and stop. It goes continuously on because he loves us. He cares for us. And he, may, he works in our hearts so that our lives would be such that it would be honoring and it would be right and it would be the way that we would live that will invite others to know him. And he is doing a, he is doing a job in each one of us, each one of us, if you will only allow the Spirit to work in us and also listen to what the Spirit is saying and respond, respond to what the Spirit is saying to you. Now I want to give you three reasons that this, why the soul is so valuable. One, it is because it is eternal. Just as the body has many members, so the soul also possesses unseen fa faculties and attributes. It's like a sixth sense. To believe, to have faith, judgment, which makes and makes us do um, determine things. We have determination by the judgments that we make. The will, which makes choices for us. We make the choice by our own will. God does not invade our own will. He wants us to do it willingly to him. The conscience which monitors and evalu evaluates all we say and think. Our conscience is a guide to us. It evaluates where we are. And if we are honest, we know if our conscience is clear before God or if it is right before God. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4, we read, You should be known for the beauty that comes from within, the unfailing beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is so precious to God. God wants us to be right in the inside of our hearts, so that that would then permeate to the outside of who we are. And because of that, we would be known and we would be understood. And it is so precious to God. He has left us here, created in, in his own image, so that we would be a people who would carry the Spirit of God within us. Secondly, the Spirit of man is valuable because of the price paid for its redemption. Jesus Christ paid a price. He gave his life for the redemption of our souls. It hurt him, the God the Father, to send his son so that we would be redeemed and we would be set free. 
He paid the penalty for sin. And he offers us forgiveness that we can receive. And we have nothing to do. The grace and the forgiveness that God gives is a free gift. There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing that we, we can you know, follow. No rules that we follow. But it is something that is given because of the love. Because the love that God has for us. And he wants us to value that. He wants us to value what he has given to each one of us. And thirdly, the soul is valuable because Satan's interest in it. God has been building his kingdom since the beginning. And the devil is also building his. Even though Satan is a defeated foe, he is still working. Amen. That's why the Bible tells us to be alert. It tells, it warns us, be aware of the schemes of the enemy. Jesus pictures Satan as an enemy battling and bidding for our souls by cleverly appealing to our desires. You know, these are the schemes of the enemy. Think of what the human race typically chooses. They chase after worldly riches and the power and the pleasure that they bring. You know, the world's wealth is staggering. I don't know if anybody has made a calculation of how, mu how much it would be, but I wouldn't even know what to, how to say it in numbers. But it's staggering. There's no way, I think, to calculate what it is, the sum of it all. And yet, the Bible tells us that one soul, the one person, is far more valuable than everything that the world has. Just think of that. How valuable you are to God. How valuable you are. How valuable you are. So of all the possessions that we have, and of all the things, the people, everything that we hold dear, hold your soul closest to you. Guard it with all that you have. Nurture it. And be reading God's word, feeding yourself, and nourishing your soul. And that is the only thing that we will take with us, our soul, from our earthly experience when we get to heaven. So our spirit is traveling to an eternal destination. Are you paying attention to the signs along the way? You know, life can be challenging. It's a bumpy journey. Potholes jolt us. Detours send us off course, and signs warn us of the danger ahead. The destination of the Spirit is of utmost importance to God. He offers us daily guidance. Some pay close attention. Others ignore God's directions and speed fast. They go past the flashing lights but everyone arrives at the final destination. Death's door, where the soul is separated from the body. So today my question is, can you entrust your, your spirit to God? Entrust him with it every single day, every, every, every moment and all the way. So when I look around here, I trust every one of you here has made that decision 
to follow Jesus as Matthew did and all the disciples and right through the ages many many Christians have and committed yourself to the call of Jesus Christ but if there is anyone who has not done so and if there is anyone who does not understand what it is about i urge you please don't leave this place without talking to someone about it this might be the greatest decision you will ever make and this might be at the moment that god is speaking to you so if there is anyone i urge you so in closing i want to read what the final words of jesus was and already sam has read it in matthew chapter 28 verse 18 to 20 jesus came and told his disciples i have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth therefore go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and the holy spirit teach these new disciples to obey all the commands i have given you and be sure of this i am with you always even to the end of the age what a promise i am with you always even to the end of the age now that is the promise that we have and that is the confidence that we have and that is the assurance and with which we can walk each day no matter what happens in our life that god is with us from the day we decided we're going to follow him he is there and we are with us he is with us but the thing is we are supposed to keep not supposed to keep the good news to ourselves are we supposed to keep it to ourselves no we are supposed to share it and that is what missions is about and that is what our calling is about you know, we sing that beautiful hymn amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me i was once lost but now i am found was blind but not now i see this is the words of someone who understood and realized the value of the soul that Jesus has placed for us and gave his life not only his life but was instrumental and to this day we sing that with with such passion and in such power and it is one of those songs that is really in a spirit filled that every time you sing you move you're moved people who don't even have committed their life to Christ sing it with such passion because there's something powerful about that and it is not just words it's not just words it is the power of god that is written in song inviting us to come and to share in what jesus has made possible for us so that is the reason that christians talk about jesus that is the reason that we share the gospel we like to invite people to church we we do what we what we possibly can to tell them about jesus and you know it's not an easy thing how many of you have been rejected how many of you have been you know mocked and laughed at and you know you have felt oh i can't do this i'm sure there are many of you here today that when you share people looked at you like as if you know we had come from some other planet you know are you still living in the dark ages are you still living in the stone ages what's going on haven't you moved on surely this is the 21st century no but these words 
the words of God remain true forever and ever. Forever and ever. So, I want to encourage you today. Let the burden of Jesus Christ for the lost motivate, motivate you and me to persevere in sharing the gospel. When I say the burden of the gospel, it is just knowing the condition of the spiritual need of another person. That is the burden of the gospel. That you see someone and you know that they need God in their lives, that they need him. This burden is not the same as being weighed down with earthly concerns. We all have earthly concerns, and sometimes they can weigh us down. But no, not the gospel, because this is not a burden. And this is a, this is a load that is so light, because we are always giving it away. We are not holding it on. We are giving it away. It is not something that we are compelled to do because, you know, if I don't do it, I won't get to the kingdom of heaven. It's nothing like that. It's nothing like that. I don't gain brownie points. I don't gain a seat in a special place or anything like that. None of us do. But it is the love of God that compels us. And what we have experienced in our life, the transformation from within that God has made in our lives, and the way God has led us, the, walk, the way God has spoken to us, he has done, provided for us. He's been there in our times of need. He's been there in times of difficulty. And he promises he will be there to the end. And that is, what, that is the hope we want to give people. And that is the hope that we are called to give. So it is easy. And I encourage you to keep persevering in sharing the gospel in whichever way we can. It might be just a smile. It's a hello. It's something. It is to reach out to somebody. We are reaching out with the hand of Jesus Christ. We want to reach out with the hand of Jesus Christ. So from the inception of the church, Christians have been rejected. They have been persecuted, even to death. And all through, to, to this day, we see that constantly. There are so many who have paid with their own lives just because they were a Christian. So is Christianity a losing proposition? No. Those in restricted nations know what it is like to lose because of their faith. They know they can lose their families in a number of ways. They are rejected from the family. They are cast out from their homes. They are infidels. All, even Christian families who have been, for generations, who have been Christians are not free from that. They are being persecuted too. They are, we have heard of villages being wiped out, Christian families being wiped out, injustice in work, in places where Christians are treated differently. And this has been happening Always, always. The loss is horrendous. However, we have the promise of Christ. Because in Matthew chapter 29, he says, Whoever loses anything for my sake, he will gain a hundredfold. He will gain a hundredfold. The kingdom of heaven is different. It is, it is quite the opposite. It's quite the turnaround of what we look at. It's not about gaining everything here on earth but it is about eternity. It is what God has provided for us. So, Christianity is not a gamble. 
It's a calculated risk. We consider what the word of God says. We believe in what the word of God says. And we willingly say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you. No matter what the cost, I will follow you. I will remain true to you. I will live according to your commands. And I will obey you because you have promised. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. We trust in the infallible word of God. So the answer to my question, are you a follower of Christ? Are you a Christian? It is personal. It's direct. It's a yes or a no. It's a point of truth. Then why is it difficult to answer? The problem is not that Christians don't know how to answer. It's that others aren't really asking us the question. Our call is to live in such a distinct way that someone thinks to ask me the question and ask you the question. It is my lifestyle and yours that causes others to know that we are different, that we belong to Christ. Because the Bible says, by your fruit you will be known. By your love for one another, they will know that you are my disciples. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Now these are the promises. These are the words that, go, that has been declared over us. And we have the ability to stand and do that. So today my, my desire is, my prayer is that every one of you would know that how valuable you are. That you would leave this place knowing the value of your soul. Every one of you is so valuable in God's sight. And if you leave this place with that understanding that you are precious to God. And not only that, he has placed you among people. None of us are void of people. He has placed us among people. It's our family. It is our friends. It's our relatives. It is those that we work with. It is those that we go to university with. It is those that we go to school with. We are surrounded by people. And we have to learn to look at each person as valuable in God's sight. That is what God wants us to do. To see the value that he has placed upon each and every person. And he wants us to live in such a way that it demonstrates that value. And we have opportunity every single day, every single moment to demonstrate that love, that value that God has placed not only in our hearts but for others too. He has placed that in us. And you know, in our own self it is not possible. But the grace and the mercy and the wisdom and the truth of God is available to us. Above all there is love. Above all there is love. And I can tell you that that love is transforming. That love is transforming. I can give you two examples from my own life. I married into a non-Christian family. And the day I walked into my in-law's house, I remember God gave me such a love for them. 
And it is a supernatural love. In the natural, it couldn't have happened. It is a supernatural love. And to this day, I have cultivated that love that God has given me. And I have loved them unconditionally. I love them. I love them. I love them. And I care for them. And I want to be who Christ wants to be, me to be in that family. As, as a daughter-in-law, as a sister-in-law, as an auntie, as a grandma, who, whoever, you know, God wants me to be. And that is the love. Secondly, when I started work here, I worked with the aged care here. And I was assigned to a house that I didn't think I would ever go to in Australia. Because it was, the conditions were horrendous. The place was terrible. And here was this lady in her old age living in this bed sitter and appalling conditions, appalling conditions. I went there as a relief once and then twice and then they put me in permanently. And I thought, God, how am I going to do this? So I remember standing outside that door and saying, God, you love this lady. Help me to love her. I tell you, God did that for me. And over the time that God gave me with this lady, I was able to love her and change things for her. And I went to the necessary people and changed things for her, her living conditions, her health, her everything. And there are many, many times I had to stick my neck out. I had to do things that I was not supposed to do. But she was precious, and God loved her. And over the years, I also had the privilege of leading her to the Lord. And that is my success story. If anybody asked me if there was a success story in my work, a woman who was rejected, a woman who had never had education, who had nothing, who had no dignity, who had nothing, who lived in appalling conditions in this country. And yet, God chooses to send you and I to people who need him. And that is the call that God has placed in each one of our hearts. So today, when you go home, when you go to work on Monday, when you are around people, when you are at school, when you are at uni, wherever you are, would you remember? Would you remember how precious you are? That you can add value to where you are. You can add value to the people you are with. That you can add value to the workplace that you are in. Because the way you work, the way you live, the, work, the way you love, and the way you care. Because God has done that for you. God has done that for you. God gives us that ability. And we are, none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect by any means. None of us are perfect. But we are on a journey. We are on the road. We are on the road. Can we bring others on the road to eternity with us? Can we bring others? We can. Stretch your hand, as Jesus said. Come, follow me. It's a simple call. He doesn't tell, allow us to do everything. He is there. I am with you to the end of the age. And today, it would be a miss of me if I just tell you all this and just get back to my seat. I pray that the Holy Spirit is really working in your hearts. That has been my prayer. I have been praying over this word for the last so many days, especially yesterday. My, my prayer is that everyone present here, that the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, that he is touching you and he's showing you 
And he is even convicting you of the places where we have failed. And saying, come my child. Get back on the course. You have had bumps in your life. There has been detours. There have been traps set for you. Get away. Come. Come and walk with me. Take my hand. Walk with me. Follow me. I am with you to the end of the age. If the Lord is speaking to you, maybe your heart is palpitating. Maybe you want to get out and run. Maybe you're convicted. Maybe there's tears in your eyes. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Take this moment. Take this moment very quietly and talk to the Lord about what is in your heart. Talk to him. Talk to him. He is hearing. He hears you. He understands you. He will not reject you. But his call is follow me. Follow me. Are you willing to do that today? May God give you the grace and the ability and the love to do that. One day, he gives us his guidance. He gives us our daily bread spiritually. He gives it to us every single day. You are not alone. If you want someone to talk to after the service, please do so. And there are people here who are willing to help you. May the grace of God be with you. May his Holy Spirit guide you. Remember, it's a good day. It's Pentecost Sunday. And God has spoken to you. Let this be a turning point in your life. That God has taken you and to a road that is true. That, that will never mislead you. And that will take you to eternity. A kingdom where we will live forever and ever in the presence of our Lord and our Master. Amen. God bless you.